Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the live devotion here. <clears throat> it's Friday. Can you believe it's Friday? So this week went by much too quickly. But um, welcome, and I believe I have something that will be of benefit to you by hearing the word of the Lord. So um, I want to speak about just seeing, you know, and seeing in the spirit and having vision and seeing. Um, there are certain things that we become aware of that we can see when the anointing is on the scene. So the anointing opens our eyes. The anointing reveals. The anointing makes us perceive a realm that others cannot perceive. Okay, so certain things are revealed by the Spirit of God. So if you have the Spirit of God and He reveals certain things to you, you see things that people who do not have the Spirit of God cannot see. All right? So in your life, in your relationship with God, there are there's certain things that causes you to see more clearly. And then there's certain things that causes you to see less and to, that covers and that blinds you. All right, so I want to start in, I just want to keep my place there. I, I want to start in um, Second Corinthians. It's a good place to start because it's one of my favorite scriptures. So Second Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 15, says the following. Yes, down to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their minds and hearts. Okay, so there you get something that will cause you not to see. So people say, yeah, yeah, the Lord would say, and, and then the Lord of speaketh King, King Jameseth, and they prophesy, and they prophesy, and sometimes they prophesy. But whatever they're saying, the law of Moses puts a veil on the hearts and minds of people. So if you really want to hear what God is saying, you have to listen to someone who is not putting Moses in front of you. Because Moses will not reveal. Moses will conceal. Moses will put a veil over your heart and put a veil over your mind. All right? So people... Love to do it that way because then they look like the only one that can see. All right? So if people come and you can smell the religion on them and they start to prophesy, just say, yeah, take your hands off me. Thanks. I don't, I don't want this. Thank you very much. Okay? So you don't have to take every word that comes to you. So rather come to to the word rather come to the anointing rather come to jesus and come to people who have jesus who have the anointing isn't it amazing that sometimes you read a scripture and you don't you don't understand it it just doesn't make sense and then you sit in a service and someone might read the exact same scripture not explaining anything just read it and suddenly it opens up have you experienced that okay why does that happen it's the anointing the anointing reveals it, okay? So you can read the scripture. And if you, if you try to, to go with it with human thinking and try to figure out what it says, then you might not see what it says. But someone with the anointing, not knowing anything else, can read it and tell you exactly what it says because of the anointing. 
right? So I've sat there so many times in the services with Prophet Kubis. And I sat there, and I would just open the Bible and start reading, reading before he would start preaching. Or so. And then suddenly it would just open up because I'm in the anointing, okay? Or I would just page through the Bible before the service, and then it would be exactly the scriptures that he would preach. Or we would, on the way to church, we would discuss certain scriptures that's exciting to us, and, and then it, we would lay out the whole, the whole sermon, bam, 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 bam. Obviously, Prophet Kubis would fill it in with many, many, many other scriptures. <laughs> but, you know, as much as we could get in from Potsdam to Stolfontein, um, we would get more or less an outline <laughs> for, you know, for the whole sermon. And that happened many times. It's not one or two times, okay? So the anointing reveals. And that's why, you, you know, if someone is in the prophetic office, you can't fake the anointing in the prophetic office. If someone is a prophet, the anointing has to be there. Otherwise, it's pretty clear that he's not a prophet. Okay, so the anointing will reveal certain things. So it will reveal certain things, or he will reveal certain things about people's lives. For instance, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or something like that. Okay, so there's something revealed from the Spirit of God, and we see it. Sometimes it's just an impression, sometimes it's a perception, sometimes it's a scripture popping in, sometimes it's a number, sometimes it's a color or a smell or something, but the, the anointing reveals something. It shows something. And the more uh, we are yielded to the anointing, the more of the anointing is active in our lives, the more we see. All right, so 2 Corinthians 3, let's just keep on reading. It says here, in verse 16, but whenever a person turns in repentance, the veil is stripped off and taken away. So any human being on this earth can turn to the Lord, can turn away from Moses to the Lord, and the veil is stripped off. And if the veil is stripped off, what happens is we can see. Okay? So um, sometimes it's not a very thick veil, so people can see a little bit, but it's a veil nonetheless. Like the other day... Um, I forgot my mask, so I had this cloth, okay? And we walked into the Fornos at the Grove here because we had some, you know, breakfast and a cup of coffee, me and my wife. So I, I had this cloth, the same cloth, you know, like this one. So <laughs> that's on the piano. So I just, they said the, the mask must cover your face and your, your, your nose and your mouth, so I just did this. So I walked into the four nights like this, and I can see a little bit. I can see a little bit through it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I can't read, but I can see more or less where I'm going. And, and everything stopped in that place. Everyone laughed at us. Anyway, so don't think because you can see a little bit that what you just read in Moses is revealing it to you. Sometimes you see something despite Moses. Sometimes God really shows, but you look through the veil, but the veil is not very thick, but you can see something. But if you're like really into the law, you'll just see nothing. Okay, because it's not the time of the law. So 
Second Corinthians 3 says, yes, the law was inaugurated and established with great glory. You know, the face of Moses shone with glory. So God revealed something. But it was a glory that was to fade and pass away. So, so Moses put a veil over his face so that people might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing glory which had been upon it. So they just saw the veil, but they saw no glory. Okay? So it is today. If someone is preaching, you see the veil, so you assume maybe there's glory behind this mysterious veil, but there's no glory. Okay, because the time of the law is ended, the glory has faded out. So now we are moved from one glory to another glory, from the faded glory, which is darkness, to the revealed glory, which is an ever-increasing glory. So if we keep on reading, it says here, whenever a person turns in repentance to the Lord, the veil is stripped off and taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Emancipation from bondage and freedom. So sometimes freedom is simply seeing. Sometimes freedom is simply seeing. Seeing hope. Or seeing the truth about a matter. You, you thought you were in bondage, but the truth came to you. Your eyes opened. You saw it's like, my goodness, I'm not in bondage. I'm actually free. Okay. So when the veil is stripped off and taken away, there is liberty. So when you see... There's freedom, and the anointing reveals. So he says, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of, the, of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image, in ever-increasing splendor, from one degree of glory to another. It says in the King James, from glory to glory, from the old glory that was described in the face of Moses, and the new glory that's in the face of Jesus. Okay. And from one degree of glory to another, it's not degrees. It's old glory to new glory. Okay? Faded glory to ever-increasing glory. Okay. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay. So now, verse 4, in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image and the likeness of God. Okay, so the God of this world, there's two things that will cause you to be blinded. And those two things uh, you are already set free from and you, are already, you have already died to those two things. And the one is sin. You can read it in Romans chapter 6. Through the baptism, you've been baptized into his death, which means you died, shed in his death, which means you share in his resurrection. So you can link it up with Galatians 2 verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ, not I that live, Christ lives within me. Then the second thing is the law. Romans chapter 7 says, likewise, you have undergone death as to the law so that you may belong to another. Okay, so, and then he says we have terminated all intercourse with the law. So, in just the same way as he says in Romans chapter 6, your body is made ineffective and inactive for evil. Okay, so there's two things, the sin and the law. And both are focused on you. Both deceives you by getting your attention away from the anointing. And to put your attention 
on what you do. Both. So, so the sin is the problem. The law is supposed to, people suppose it to be the solution. But the law does not solve it because Romans chapter uh, 7 says, in verse 5 and in verse 8 and verse 11, it stirs up the forbidden desires. Okay? Verse 8 says, without the law, sin is dead. Okay? So the law used, uh, sin used the law as an opportunity to express itself. Okay? So how would you have known about covetousness if the law hadn't, would not repeatedly tell you, you shall not covet? And I have an evil desire. I have not an evil desire for one thing or another. That's Romans chapter seven or seven. So, if you look to the thing that you're not supposed to do, you are not looking at the anointing, which means you are in that trap of Moses. So you are stirring up the forbidden desire, which causes temptation and sometimes to fall. And now you turn to the, your own works to try and counter the falling or try and counter the wrongdoing or to try and fix it, try and make it right. And then it just becomes worse. Okay. Those two things is a different paradigm and causes you not to see. It's called natural. Okay. A natural man, says First Corinthians chapter 2, cannot accept into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Holy Spirit because it is spiritually discerned. All right? So if you just turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's just read it for just in case I miss something. It says, firstly, it says, verse 13, and we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom. So human wisdom will not reveal truth to you. So that's why all the philosophers agree in one thing, that, that they, they can't find truth. They can't find the absolute truth. Okay? But taught by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the truth. The Holy Spirit speaks the truth. And he reveals it to you. Okay? Combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. So he gives you wisdom. He gives you insight. He gives you vision. You see light on a subject. That wisdom is seeing. Okay? So he says, But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept the welcome admit into his heart, the gifts and teachings, revelations of the Spirit of God, for the folly, meaningless nonsense to him, is incapable of knowing them, progressively recognizing, understanding, becoming better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you cannot discern the things that are inside the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you just rewind a little bit, he says, For what? Person, verse 11, perceives and knows and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except the man's own spirit within him. So, no one discerns or comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Okay, we, now we have not received the Spirit that's of this world, but the Spirit who is from God. So, the Spirit of this world, you can say the God of this world, will not reveal to you what is in the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of this world does not know what is in, this, in the Spirit of God. Okay, so that's why the, the natural man, which has the spirit of this world, the God of this world, has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. So who's the natural guy? The unbeliever. Yeah. So he cannot see. He cannot hear. So if someone stands up and he says, 
Oh, God told me this morning, and he's legalistic. He says, sit down, you lie. Oh, I prophesy, I prophesy, and he's going to bring destruction, and he's going to now bring a tornado to teach this city. Shut up, you lie. You are a liar. Sit down. Okay? Oh, God is angry at Cape Town, and therefore he's sending a drought. You lie. Keep quiet. Okay? So we prayed. That same day after I made a video, after that big name said that, and the next day it rained in Cape Town. Yeah. So, what I'm saying is, the anointing reveals the law will blind you. If someone comes putting your attention, shaming, guilting, putting your attention on sin, putting your attention on yourself and what you must do, trying to psych you up to make yourself better, and he's prophesying over you, run. But if someone is preaching the blood of Jesus to you, if someone is preaching the power of the Holy Spirit to you, if someone is exalting him and getting everyone's attention on him, then hear. Because you will hear clearly and there will be a revelation from the Spirit. Okay? So many people um, criticize the people of, of God, the people who prophesy under the anointing. Okay? For some reason, the guys that keep on prophesying the rubbish, you know, everyone just thinks it's okay. Because everyone expects the judgment and the wrath and the stuff from God. Okay? That's natural mind thinking. That's blinded. That's no revelation. Okay. So, Galatians chapter 4 says, As it was then, so it is now also. The, the one born out of, uh, from the natural will always persecute the one born out of promise. Okay. All right. So, um, the anointing will reveal. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, that the spiritual man tries all things, examines, investigates, inquires, and questions, discerns all things. So you can just as well say he sees. The spiritual man can see. Okay? So you can't, 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 okay, for those English speaking, don't worry, okay, Afrikaans people are weird, okay, but the spiritual man tries all things, examines, he sees, you can't, you can't fake it. You can't, he can see right through you. If you come with funny agendas, and you come with, he, he can see right through you. Okay? Yet he's himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern and appraise or get an insight into him. Why? Because he's got the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God knows everything. Spirit of this world, natural people does not know what's in the Spirit of God, so they can't judge the guy. But he's got the Spirit of God, and he knows everything. He knows what's in their hearts. He knows everything. So you can't fool him. Okay. For who has known and understood the mind of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ and to hold the thoughts and purposes of his heart. So God wants to reveal, he wants to show to us certain things. Okay, so there's something I was just going to quickly say. Don't worry, moment's over. Okay, let's go to Second Kings. You don't know what I was going to say, so you don't know if you're going to lose out. So, okay, Second Kings chapter six. 
8. Now just, listen, just look at what it looks like when someone can see. When a natural guy is trying to judge a spiritual guy, that the spiritual guy is the Spirit of God. Okay? When the king of Syria was warring against Israel, 2 Kings 6 verse 8, when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, after counseling with his servants, he said, In such and such a place shall be my camp. Then the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you pass not such, such a place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Okay? Then the king of Israel sent to the place of which Elisha told and warned, warned him, and thus he protected and saved him, himself there repeatedly. Therefore... The mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and said, Will you show me who of us is for the king of Israel? One of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. He can see and he can hear everything. Okay? And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. And it was told him, He is in Dothan. So the Syrian king sent their horses and chariots and a great army. Don't you th isn't that so like the natural mind? There's this one guy. He's, he's unarmed. He's one. He repeatedly knows exactly what this king is going to do. Now he sends him horses and chariots to try and capture him. Just more force. Natural mind against the spiritual mind. Okay. So the Syrian king sent their horses, chariots, and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. Elisha's servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So now here's this poor servant, and he's like, you know, it's like, tick, 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 you know, he's, he's really, he's scared. He's now, what is this? There's a whole army. Imagine the whole of the United States army come to capture one man. Okay? Almost like that guy in Af Afghanistan. But okay, they did catch him. All right, so, so the whole army sent <laughs> to catch one man. Okay. Elisha answered. Now, this is what the one man does if he's got the Spirit of God. Fear not, for those with us are more than those with them. Yeah. So there's a different realm yeah. that he lives in. He can see things that the others cannot see. Yeah. So the numbers in the natural make absolutely no difference. But the numbers in the spiritual makes the difference. Yeah. Those who are with us, so we are two. But those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So who are with them? No one. Oh, so what can we say of all these things? Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? So if you are against God, it doesn't really matter who is for you. Right? Elisha answered, Fear not, for those with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. He didn't say, oh Lord, deliver us this day from this great army. He said, Lord, just open his eyes. <laughs> he already saw. He already knew there was chariots 
Okay, Lord, I pray you, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Smite this people with blindness, I pray you. And God smote them with blindness, as Elisha asked. So how does a whole blind army catch one man? Okay? So he just spoke twice. There's a whole army out to catch him. Oh Lord, open his eyes. Bam, you can see he's like, okay, now, now at least the servant isn't whining in my ears anymore. <laughs> and when the Syrians started coming, I said, Lord, just strike them with blindness. <laughs> How's that for a secret weapon? <laughs> We're going in blind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now remember, when Elisha followed Elijah, and I spoke about this a couple of months ago, Elisha followed Elijah. And Elijah said, you know, your master's going to be taken away from you. He said, yes, I know. He said, stay here because I'm going to that place. He said, no, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And he went, and he went with him. A couple of places like that, and he went with him, went with him. He said, okay, what shall I do for you? He said, I want a double portion of the anointing. The anointing. All right. So, what happened? He said that you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me, you can have it. And suddenly there was a whirlwind. And Elijah, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. Elijah was not taken up in a chariot of fire. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. And then the chariot of fire came between Elijah and Elisha. And his mantle fell. And he cried out. Elisha cried out, my father, my father, chariots of Israel and horsemen thereof. So what did Elisha see? The anointing. The mantle that was on Elijah came upon Elisha because he saw the anointing. And then he picked up the mantle that fell. And he went, and the last miracle of Elijah became the first miracle of Elisha. And he opened the Jordan, and he walked through. And the 50 sons of the prophets sat there, and they said, Behold, the spirit of Elijah is upon Elisha. So first they thought, hey, where is Elijah? We know that God, you know, he would just pick him up and put him on a mountain somewhere. So they went and searched for him. They couldn't find him. They said, ah, spirit of the Lord. The spirit of Elijah is upon Elisha. So the anointing that rested on Elijah came doubly on Elisha because he saw when he went. So the chariot of fire is the anointing on Elijah's life. The chariot of fire is not the vehicle in which Elijah was taken to heaven. He was taken, yeah, he was taken up in a whirlwind. All right? So, the chariot of fire was always with Elisha. So, when this silly king came, oh Lord, just open his eyes. 
because he knows the chariots are always there. The anointing, and he could see. All right? So the anointing reveals. But natural mindedness, which includes sin, which includes the law, will cause you not to see. Oh, Lord, just strike them with blindness. Okay, so remember in, okay, time's up, but I'm going to refer this one still in. Remember in Acts chapter 9, listen what happens when a natural legalistic guy meets the anointing. Right, so Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, still drawing his breath hard from threatening and from threatening and murderous desire against his disciples of the Lord, went out to the high priest and requested of him letters to the synagogues at Damascus, authorizing him, so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, so Christianity was called the way of life as determined by faith in Jesus Christ, he might bring them bound with chains to Jerusalem. Now, as he traveled on, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light, so a light causes you to see, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, harassing, troubling, molesting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is dangerous. It will turn out very badly for you to keep kicking against the goat, to offer vain and perilous resistance. Trembling and astonished, he asked, Lord, what do you desire me to do? The Lord said to him, But arise, go into the city, and, go, and, uh, and you will be told what you must do. The men who were accompanying him were unable to speak for terror, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, but though his eyes were opened, he could, not, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand, and brought him to Damascus, and he was unable to see for three days, and he neither ate nor drank anything. Now there was in Damascus a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, so he could see, he had the Holy Spirit. Ananias he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and ask at the house of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul, who behold, he is praying there. And he has seen him in a vision, a man named Ananias enter in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many people tell about this man, especially how much evil and what great suffering he has brought on your saints at Jerusalem. Now he is here and has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to him, Go for, for this man is chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and descendants of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he will be afflicted and must endure and suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias left and went into the house, and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, and now suddenly his brother, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you along the way by which you came here, sent me that you may recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so God sends people that you might recover your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the anointing, and the anointing will cause you to see. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he recovered his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. 
And after he took some food, he was strengthened. For several days afterward, he remained with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately in the synagogues, he proclaimed Jesus, saying he is the Son of God. Eyes opened, proclaimed Jesus. All right. So scales fell from his eyes. You could see after a man with the anointing prayed. Eyes opened. But his spiritual eyes opened. He received the Holy Spirit and immediately started proclaiming Jesus. All right. So run to the anointing. The anointing will open up your eyes and you will see. So if there's anything that's causing you to feel ashamed, run from it. Run from the shame and guilt towards Jesus. Never let shame and guilt and accusation cause you to withdraw away from God. But come to him and he will open your eyes and you will see the truth. And you will see that you are forgiven, made holy, made righteous, and you know, made acceptable before God through the blood of Jesus. Right, so may you know the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. And may that truth open your eyes. And may you see, may you see the, the thoughts and purposes of his heart. But may you also see, may God reveal to you things that could, uh, that could protect you. May God reveal to you, open your eyes so that you can see hidden motives. May God reveal to you so that you will never be caught of God. All right, so be blessed. May your eyes be opened. May you see in Jesus' name. All right, so we'll see you again on Sunday morning at 9.30. So uh, thank you for watching and be blessed. Uh, let me just greet the three that's here. Hello, Janine, and, and another Janine. <laughs> hello, Janine, and hello, Mars. Good to meet you. Bless you, everyone who's watching, who's, who's going to watch later. We'll see you again Sunday morning. Amen.